When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, happy Wednesday morning to everybody, wherever you are. My name is Chris Salem. I'm your host, also the international best-selling author of the book, Master Your Inner Critic, Create Prosperity, uh, Resolve the Root Cause, Create Prosperity. Sorry about that. Had that backwards today. And uh, w- again, today, what we're going to be talking about on this show is we're going to be focusing on the area of leadership. And this is an area that really is true and dear to my heart, uh, especially especially when you're looking at the authentic side. But we have a, a, a fantastic individual here today that has a wealth of experience and that is going to discuss what is wrong with leadership training as it applies to sustainable success today? And we're going to get some great insight. So anybody that will be that's listening that is a has a leadership role should take note, and you should be uh, you know either record you know listening to this on demand or taking notes while uh, listening uh, to this segment today. Uh, today, my guest is Joshua Spodek, and Joshua is the best-selling author of the book, Leadership Step-by-Step. He's an adjunct professor at NYU, a leadership coach and workshop leader for Columbia Business School. He's also a columnist for Inc. Magazine and founder of SpodekAcademy.com. Now, it's interesting to note that Joshua has led uh, many seminars in leadership, entrepreneurship, creativity, and sales at prestigious schools like Harvard, Princeton, MIT, also with NSEED and the New York Academy of Science, and including a multitude of private corporations. He holds five Ivy League degrees, including a PhD in astrophysics and an MBA, and studied under a Nobel Prize winner. So what I like to do is I like to introduce Joshua Spodek to the show. Joshua, you're there. Yeah, Chris, great to be here. Awesome. It's great to have you here. And and this is going to be an interesting topic for many especially when it comes to leadership, because, you know, as we had discussed, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of information that people have access to how to go about being a better leader. But more importantly, really, there's a lack of information on really how to apply that in a real life situation. And in our leaders actually applying these principles that they're learning about. And today, you know, we're going to get, I like to get some tremendous insight from, you know, you and your, from your book, Leadership Step-by-Step. So I wanted to ask you to start off, what is wrong with learning today when it comes to leadership through traditional education? Yeah, I'm glad that you specified. At first, you talked about leadership and focusing more specifically on learning leadership because I think, I mean, a lot of people have criticism about leadership, but leadership training is a big issue that, you know, I I mean, I got my MBA at Columbia, so it's an Ivy League, really top institution, and I learned a lot of the the standard way of traditional education, which was reading books, listening to lectures, doing case studies, and, you know, we come in and discuss the case studies, but what you're actually doing is mostly following what other people tell you to do, and you know, leadership is, is fundamentally behavioral. It's, it, it's social and emotional skill. And when you're just reading or passively listening to others or even debating with others about other people's lives, you don't face 
the social and emotional challenges that you need to in order to develop social and emotional skills. So it was missing a behavioral component. It was missing an active experiential part. And so, you know, when you look at schools, traditional education, intellectually it's very challenging. It gives you a lot of information. But I, I can't think of a great leader that became great because they had just more information. It doesn't hurt. But it's being able to lead people. It's being able to, it's an active experiential thing. And so they don't, as intellectually challenging as they are, they're not socially and emotionally challenging. In fact, socially and emotionally is more passive. What they're really doing behavior-wise is they're teaching compliance, which is not what I would call leadership. Absolutely. And what do you think is like, you know, when it comes to, you were talking about the social behavioral aspect of it, you know, what would be something that you feel is lacking in that area when it comes to either people that have maybe they've majored in leadership in, in either directly or indirectly somewhere in, in their studies or they've gone through certain trainings in a workplace environment. What do you feel like, you know, is the, that that social behavioral aspect, what might be lacking there? You know, a lot of people know, you, you might know, for example, that nonverbal communication is as important and often in many cases more important than, than verbal communication. But that doesn't mean you can read somebody. To know that something is important doesn't mean that you can use that. To know that integrity is important. I mean, I've never seen a leadership book that said integrity is not important or being able to listen is not important. But knowing that something is important doesn't give you the skills of doing it. There are people who, who say integrity is important but are not, in, they're not integrated themselves. It's like, um, you know, leadership is... Like any other behavioral thing, like learning to play a sport, I can tell you how to do a jump shot, but that doesn't mean you're going to get the ball in the hoop. I can tell you how to play piano. Like I can give you the information. Like if you put your keys, your fingers on the keyboard and play, that doesn't mean you know how to play. You got to practice and practice and practice. And the, the best ones are the ones who practice the most, not the ones who read the most. I mean, reading doesn't hurt, but ultimately, if you want to be able to say communicate nonverbally, you have to know how to read other people's facial expressions to read the tone of their voice and things like that. And a book can't tell you that. And, and a lecture can't tell you that. Only practicing will give you the experience to be able to do it effectively. That's interesting that you point that out. So, you know, what led you to challenge these traditional methods, you know, in terms of now providing, you know, a, a, a solution, so to speak, to help people apply this? Well, what it, like, these things happened to me after I graduated. I thought, okay, I got really good grades from a top school. I'm a great leader. So I'd, I'd walk into a situation like a negotiation, and I'd prepare for it how I'd prepare for a test. Like, I know all the answers, and I'd think, well, I'll say this, and they'll say that, and I'll say this, and they'll say that, and we'll get to a great agreement. And then I'm sure this would happen to lots of people. You walk in the room. For me, it's usually when I make eye contact with a person or when I shake their hand suddenly it becomes very human and very in the moment and interactive. And all of that preparation just flies out as if it was as if I hadn't prepared at all. When you're in a situation where things really count, you fall back on what you've done. And if you try to remember what you read in a book or what someone said in class and try to figure out how to apply that in the moment, it doesn't really work. And so I realized this is really, you need to prepare differently. You need to prepare like you prepare for any kind of performance. So one thing that a big thing that changed for me was 
watching the show Inside the Actors Studio. I don't know if you watch it. I, I was I wasn't watching it to prepare for leadership, but I noticed that the the actors on the show, the people who are, are going to watch it, 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 interviews with the great great actors, you know, Meryl Streep and Al Pacino and people like that. And I noticed two things that conflicted with each other and didn't make sense for my world, which is that their social and emotional skills were really through the roof, really incredible. They could read people very well. They could emote. They could express. They could get emotional reactions from people and motivate people. But also, I noticed that when they talked about their backgrounds, a lot of the great ones, maybe even most of them, dropped out of school. And I noticed that that was a really weird thing for me because their, their skills, socially and emotionally, were beyond the MBAs that I knew and even the leadership professors that I knew. But their training was, at first I thought was less, and then I realized the more that I researched, I found that they, they didn't stop learning when, when they dropped out of school. They would go to a conservatory-style schools and learn in a different style of learning. And I realized that that style of learning was much more applicable for the parts of leadership that are, that are behavioral, that are performance-based, that are active and social and emotional and expressive. And so I began to look into how they teach there and bring those techniques into teaching leadership. And as I did it with coaching and as I did it with my students and, and seminars and workshops, I started getting incredible responses. You know, I still have the theory in what I teach, but I put it into the exercises. So if you want someone to learn piano, you don't tell them music theory. You give them an exercise with music theory built into it. So the teacher has to know it, but the student learns it through practicing it. So I give, I had to create new exercises for teaching leadership. But I brought them from the practice of leadership, not from you know, acting or playing piano. But the structure was still the same. Give someone the basics, have them practice the basics. When they master the basics, then move them up to intermediate level stuff. When they master that, move it up to advanced level stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. And 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 I think, like you said, you know, theory is great, but and it provides certain aspects of what a leader has to know. But I guess, you know, it comes down to that, that the people element, you know, being authentic, being true to yourself and knowing how to truly connect with people is, you know, something that, you know, it's hard to teach that, you know, you know, in theory, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it has to be done, you know, and, and experienced and, you know, it, it's by trial and error, so to speak. But uh, what would be your take on that in, in terms of applying that in, in what, with what you're doing? I think that authenticity and genuineness, it's already in you. The problem is there's all stuff on top that, like, people tell you do it this way, people tell you do it that way, or you get nervous and scared. And the way to get past these things that are messing up your authenticity is to practice and practice and practice so many times that you get through all those things. And eventually what emerges is you. And that's why people who perform in every performance-based field, people rehearse and, and practice a lot. And that's why leaders get better with practice and with experience, is you practice and practice and practice. And the more that you practice, the more you get rid of that junk on top, the, the inhibitions and the, the worries and the, the advice that people told you that may have worked for them, but maybe not worked for you. And it's really practicing. And people who don't practice, it's very difficult to get genuineness and authenticity come out. Whereas the more you practice, it's almost inevitable that it comes out. Of course... What does experience mean? It means making mistakes. It means doing things the wrong way for you because you didn't know until you did it. And, you know, that's the value of doing this through a course or through exercises that someone creates for you as opposed to in real life because you make a, a mistake 
learning on the job, you could lose your job or you could look really bad or you could lose a sale or something like that. Whereas if you do it with exercises that are outside of your regular life, then they're designed so that if you make a mistake, it's with someone that you're working with, like a friend or family member, and they're not going to fire you. They're going to tell you, you didn't do it. That wasn't effective. And you do it better the next time. You keep rehearsing. Yeah, it's almost like if you think about speaking, I'm an international keynote speaker, and when you think about speaking, you know, if you ask most speakers, they had, you know, they probably had a start in Toastmasters years ago when they first started, you know, and in Toastmasters provides a, an environment that's non-judgmental, and it's designed to provide constructive criticism to handle certain types of speech deliveries and 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 it's highly effective and so would you equate that what with what you're doing would be something similar to that that allows them to kind of you know be involved in a kind of a real life situation but yet not be worried that they're going to be judged or you know they may it might be taken the wrong way by their company and they could get into trouble but you know gives them an environment where they can test this and to see what type of response they get yeah, that's exactly. I mean, I love doing Toastmasters, and that's how I got started too. And it's and it's one step above Toastmasters, or one step different, I should say, because Toastmasters does one thing and they do it very, very well. And uh, so, for leadership, has a lot of other components, and so this adds a structure. So each exercise is like gives you something like what Toastmasters does, but it's twenty exercises. So each one, you know, the first ones are in mindfulness and self awareness and perception and beliefs. And internal, the first unit is called leading yourself or understanding yourself. And then the next one on leading yourself is on how to get advice, how to create habits, things like that. And then, so each one, and then the next exercise is understanding others or the unit. And the next unit is leading others. And so leading others gives you exercises to interact with other people. And part of the structure is so that when you're interacting with other people, for most people, that's significantly harder than something solo where you're just observing your own mental processes, building up your own self-awareness. So on top of the behavioral and practice component, there's also this progression where you begin with simple and basic and you move up to advanced. And so there's that component too. So each part, yes, practice, rehearse, work with people who are supportive. And then once you get that down, move to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So very advanced leaders, people who look at my book, they're like, some of the stuff at the end, they're like, this is really advanced stuff. It is, but compared to the exercises just before it, it's only a little advanced. So all the all the that progression element of it is something that makes there's no big jumps. Big jumps is where people get nervous and get anxious. So I try to make it so that that doesn't happen. Gotcha. Yeah. And and so what I'd like to ask you, Joshua, how would you characterize your way? I know you were talking a little bit about it, but you know, get a little bit more specific on your technique. And so the listeners can get an idea because, you know, what I love about information is obviously that it's applied, number one. That's really what's important. You know, information is great and knowledge is great. But if it's not applied, then it, it can't be it can't manifest what you what you want it to do. But I think that providing different ideas and techniques to do things, allowing someone then to draw their own conclusions to determine if that works for them or not is is essential. So I like to, the listeners to understand a little bit more about um, how you would characterize your your way again, just to get a little bit more specific. Yeah, you know, the, the subtitle of my book, Become the Person Others Follow, a lot of readers resonate with that because they're like, ultimately, that's what I want. I want people to follow me. And some people feel nervous about saying that because they feel like it's too much 
like authoritarian sounding, but it's actually the opposite. When people want to follow, it's th- that's influencing their motivation is they want to. But actually, there's a characterization I like even more. And I mentioned how this came from acting for me. And, you know, a lot of people know the term method acting, where method acting is where you, it's, it's a set of exercises that actors do both to prepare themselves as an actor, to, as a learning, as a way to learn how to act at the beginning of their careers, but also how to become the character that they play. And, you know, when I look at, say, Daniel Day-Lewis playing Lincoln, I, I'm like, that is Lincoln. He's completely in the role. He is Lincoln. And when you do the exercises in my book and leadership step-by-step, it's, you become a leader. It's not like you're acting like a leader. You become a leader. And so I like to call it method leadership and the style of learning method learning in this, to refer to method acting because if you work like this and it's work, you know, it's, it's challenging. It's not like here's this one quick trick that if you do it, you'll become a great leader. It takes months for a lot of people to get through the exercises in this book, but when they do, they emerge as someone, they're leading. They are, they have become a leader, not they're acting like one. They are a leader. So I like that term method leadership and method learning as a way of getting there. Well, that's great. I, and I wanted to expand a little bit on that and the method learning. We're going to be going to break here probably in about a minute. So, and I do want to talk a little bit more about, we're going to get into a little bit more about this, the, the specifics on your books a little bit later in the show. And just to kind of summarize this is again, you know, it's very important that uh, when when aspiring leaders, you know, it, it's great to get knowledge. It's great. It's great to have that experience, but but to be put in, you know, to have a, a, a non-judgmental type of environment where they can exercise and test and get feedback, I think is essential, just like we talked about with how Toastmasters is with speakers. And it just provides a great way to kind of like almost like a mastermind to kind of see what other people think and, and what works. And usually when, when people agree on certain things, that more than likely means that most people are going to adapt to a leader that leads that way. So it's, I think it's a great, great way for people to really apply that knowledge like you've, like you've talked about and, and, uh, and then can utilize that in a real-life situation. So we're going to be going to break. Again, you're listening to the Sustainable Success uh, radio show. Today, I get, again, my guest is Joshua Spodek, who is a leadership expert. And his book is Leadership Step-by-Step. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about that book uh, a little bit later in the show. And we're just going to be going to break. And when we come back, we're going to be asking some more questions uh, for Joshua as it pertains to how to incorporate better leadership training for sustainable success. And we'll be right back. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses 
Manage the effect, but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back. You're listening again to the Sustainable Success Radio Show. I'm Chris Salem, your host. And we're talking today with, again, Joshua Spodek, uh, who is a leadership expert uh, from, uh, from NYU and also the Columbia Business School. And we're talking about an interesting uh, subject today, and it's one dear to my heart. Again, it's on leadership, and I'm a really big into authentic leadership and applied leadership, meaning that that you're learning as you go, and you're utilizing your people skills to lead, to empower others. And I'm so glad to have Joshua on today. And today on the uh, next leg of our show, we're going to be discussing a little bit about what he does in terms of of not only educating his students, but also really showing them how to apply this knowledge. So, Joshua, we're, uh, I wanted to ask you, how do you teach if you don't use lectures, case studies, and papers with your students? Yeah, that's a great question because it took me a while to work this out. And it's, it's just knowing that there's a technique out there wasn't enough. I had to practice this, too. And actually, after a while, I learned that if you look back in the histories of edu- history of education, if you look at names like John Dewey or Maria Montessori, what I came across was there was a long history of people teaching this way before, but no one had applied it to leadership. I think the practice of teaching leadership is kind of new. So when, when I teach, my goal is not to give you the answers. My goal is to give you an experience that you will discover or create an answer for yourself. So the exercises are designed that, and in the book, You'll read there's a story that illustrates the, how the, the skill that you're going to learn in this chapter, how it interplays in life or how the lack of the skill can hold you back. And then there's a stop sign, and it says, put the book down and go off to people that matter to you on a project that matters to you and apply it. And, and I give you step-by-step step how to apply it. And that's also how I teach when I teach at NYU, uh, whether it's grad students, undergrads, or professionals. Most of the class time is... The beginning of class is usually reviewing the exercises that they, that they did before, and then students do a lot of discussion. 
and then we talk about what's the next exercise, and then have them practice the exercise with each other, and sometimes with me. And the real learning, the most part of the learning happens outside the classroom, and it's not writing papers, it's not reading stuff, it's going and experientially doing something. So, for example, uh, if an exercise is on, um, let's say an early one is on, is on um, how to be aware of your mental processes of, of mental awareness, and it has you write things down write things down of what you think. And so the students will take time and they write these things out. And then after that, there's a reflection. And the book, it's, this is one of the, one of the challenges of the book is that I can't force you to write the, the reflection, but it's really valuable. Studies over and over show that you learn by doing and then you internalize and you generalize by reflecting. And so this process of, I tell you, I give you context through the story then I give you the exercise and I tell you what to do. Then I have you practice it. And then I have you go do it. And then I have you reflect on it. That stuff process, which is baked into the structure of the book, is how it works really well. So you, the student, or the reader of the book, you, you read the story and that hopefully gives you some context. Then you read what to do. Then you put it down and go away. And then you do it with people in your life. And then, you, and then hopefully readers, the really diligent readers, will then also get out a piece of paper or on their computer and they'll write, this is what works and this is what didn't work. And to, to help you do that, I put in the book some questions, some reflection questions for you to think about that you can write whatever you want, but they tend to be the things that having had hundreds of students go through this before, they tend, I try to get on the topics that are most valuable to past students. So that's how I do it. If you just, you don't have to remember that because the book will walk you through it. It's just each chapter goes in that order. But I'm glad you asked because that gives me a chance to so the people before they, they read it, they know this is how it works. So it's interesting that when you're when we're looking at this, because like you said, you can't always force somebody to do you know what you say in your book. But with anything in business processes or any experience, you know, accountability is really important, and I think that's what lacks in a lot of different things. I came from sales. I had a sales background many years ago. And I went through many sales trainings and leadership trainings. And the problem was you had great information. And in many cases, we would apply some of that knowledge. But what was lacking was the accountability. So can, can you talk about that, the accountability factor, why that's so important when it comes to applying these principles that you discuss? Yeah, I mean, accountability is, we, we do what we're accountable for. I mean, hopefully people do things that they're not accountable for, and that's in, in, that is integrity. And but if you only do the things that if you, if you don't, I mean, you, you generally do what you're accountable for. And so the book, you know, the book is something that people can buy and they can go through and the really diligent discipline ones will do all the steps. If you, if you are able to do what you're accountable for, then if you're able to do what, even what you're not accountable for, the book will be very, it will be great for you. I mean, I do offer the online courses and the online course you can't get to the next exercise until you've written your your reflection and posted that. And so people who do the online course, they don't have to, there's, a, there's more structure imposed on them that I, you know, I build into the course. And the students who take my courses in person, they have the most accountability because, you know, they have grades attached to it. And they get, by, you know, across the board, they get the most value. So now the of course, the courses are, oh my, I, you know, I once looked up how much the MLA students actually pay for a course. It's like thousands and thousands of dollars. So the book is significantly yeah. cheaper than that. 
And if you do the book and you do it yourself without other people forcing you to do it, without people holding you accountable, and you only hold yourself accountable, you'll also get integrity, which is incredibly valuable. And so there is extra value in that. If you're not so great at making sure that you do stuff, the course, the online course might be more effective for some people because it forces you to do each step before you get to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, with accountability, what's so important is, you know, a lot of times we don't always necessarily want to be told how, when, and why to do it. And, or sometimes people just build up a wall for that. There could be many different reasons, but, but by showing them and being an example and empowering them always, I find, you know, works long-term to to sustain that accountability. So with that being said, uh, you know, what results do you see with your clients and students as a result of this process that you use? You know, I want to comment on the accountability also is that when I was a kid, growing up. I don't know about you, but I was pretty, when something went wrong, I was like, not me. I didn't do it. It wasn't my fault. It was someone else. You know, I would, I would shirk responsibility oh, yeah. and I would try to get away from accountability. Yeah. I didn't want to be responsible. And I hope people had the experience that I've had, which is that as I've gotten older, I found that responsibility and accountability, as much as I wanted not to have them when I was a kid, it's been a major improvement to my life to, to I want to be responsible. I want to be held accountable. These are things that I think leaders really want. And to be responsible means that you have the ability to do things. If you don't take responsibility, you give away your ability to do things. You disempower yourself. And accountability gives you a measure of quality. And so I think, I hope that, to me, it's a matter of maturation. Becoming more mature is wanting these things. But in terms of being a leader, it, it gives you power to take responsibility and it gives you a measure of quality to be held accountable. So they're tremendously important, and I hope that people endeavor to bring those things into their lives. So, so I couldn't help but comment on that. And uh, as for the results, you know, by, by far, the most common comments I get from my students are, I've never taken a class like this. I didn't know that I could learn things like this because they're not used to, they're used to being told answers. And at the beginning, it's a struggle because they, they're like, Josh, just tell me what I'm supposed to know so I can tell you back on the test. But there is no test. You know, all the projects are, you get the results from the people that you lead. So in the course, I give you a project that you have to work on. The book talks about a project, too. And the results are the results. There's no test in regular life. There's no one who says, if you pass this test, you'll get promoted. It's, you have to perform. And so my course more mimics what happens in, in real life because I want to teach you the, the real life skills. So the next thing that they ask at the end of the course, the beginning of the course is, what's going on? I'm not used to this. How come you're not just telling me the answers? And at the, in class, I love, week by week, I can see how the students catch, start catching on. And they're, they're like, oh, I see. I really do stuff that matters to me in my life. Like, I'm, you're not asking me to do some abstract thing. You're asking me to do stuff with people that matter to me. I'm like, yeah, you can. Like, students, when I teach undergrads, they will use these to get into graduate school. The, the exercises that I do, they'll be like, oh, I want to go to law school. I want to go to business school. I'm going to use these exercises to interact with professors at the schools I want to go to. I'm like, yeah, do that. And when I do it with people who are getting their MBAs, they are, oh, I can use this to get a job before I graduate. And I go, yeah, this is really real life stuff. So at the end of the course, they ask me, are there any other courses like this? In fact, last fall, this happened more than once with me. Students that I was teaching, adult learners, 
uh, in executive education. At the end of the course, they said, we really want to take more courses with you. And I said, well, I'm not sure when, what courses will be offered because there's a whole bureaucratic process. Universities are like that. And they said, well, we want to take your course right now. And so they organized. And we met at, they organized themselves and me for me to teach them a course independently of the university. And we would just meet at the students' apartments because that's where the space was available, probably that space in Manhattan. And, you know, they wanted more. And so they took the initiative. They led me to give them more. And that's the kind of stuff, these are the results that people find, I can make things happen in my life. Josh has given me these skills, or rather, these exercises have given me these skills. Now that I have them, I want to use them. And they do. And they use them. And they put them into practice in real life. Yeah, you make an interesting point when you talk about test versus performance. You know, when you think about traditional learning you know, we're all required to take a test. And, you know, there are going to be people out there that are really good at taking tests or they have a good memory and are able to apply that in a test-like fashion. But when it comes to applying that information in reality, it could be a whole different ballgame. So that's why, you know, you know, when you look at performance, how are people performing? How are peop- other people adapting or uh, you know, and are influenced or empowered by that person that is doing it in a, in a real life situation. I think that's what's really important. And we don't see a lot of that. So it's interesting to see that's what you're doing. Can you tell us yeah, why yeah. this hasn't been done to, before? Oh, sorry to interrupt. But, you know, you asked me yeah. before about what led me to challenge the traditional methods. And, and yeah. you just nailed it there. I was really good at taking tests. I could get really high scores. And it just was not useful in regular life. I learned how to do well in the school environment. And some parts of school do, are like life, but a lot of it is not. There's no, a salesperson can't go in and say, just give me a bubble form test and I'll, if I do well, will you buy my product? It doesn't work that way. And yet schools keep doing that. And so actually what you just asked, why hasn't this done before? Why hasn't, has this not been done before? You know, the more elite the university, the more the teachers got there by this, what we call publishing or perishing. And so they're, they're extremely well, if their experience is in analyzing and writing. And there are adjuncts. I'm an, I'm an adjunct, and I do teach at a major university, a couple. But that's the exception to the rule. I hope that becomes more the case. But schools have this, traditional learning schools, they, they promote people whose behavioral skills are in publishing or perishing. And so they're really good at publishing. They're really good at analyzing and writing. And that's great if you want to become a college professor, but outside of the university environment, that's not really how things are done. And so you have people who are intellectually knowledgeable about the practice of leadership, but that's like knowing, that's like someone who knows musical theory, but doesn't actually, hadn't actually put their fingers on the keyboard. Or someone who watches a lot of sports and they can tell you all, all sorts of statistics, but they can't actually play. Or, I don't, know, I don't know if you ever go to the gym, but sometimes I'll be lifting weights. And someone who's clearly at the gym for the first time or hasn't been there very much, they'll come up and start telling you about form and stuff that they read in a book. And, but they're not in shape. And you have a lot of people who are teaching stuff that are very good at teaching you theory, but not actually practicing it. And in a university, that might make sense for an academic field, a purely academic field, but not a, a practice-based field, not a performance-based field, not something where your emotions and your behavior really matter. So if you really just want to learn how to be a, 
leadership professor, I think traditional education is great. But if you want to be, if you want to lead, if you want to practice leadership, I think you have to do something that's much more socially and emotionally challenging. You know, and I think a lot of professors probably shy away from giving students social and emotional challenges because they're not one, they haven't done it themselves, and they're not really they're on less sure ground. And it can be uncomfortable on both sides. That's actually going back to the question you asked me before. Is something that I get from a lot of students is this is challenging in a way that I've never faced a challenge before, and I really like how a couple of students have put it. They said, it's, it makes me uncomfortable in exactly the way that I need that I've never had before. Well, you, you made an interesting point when you talked about teachers that they may not know, maybe not know themselves, you know, from a social standpoint or feel comfortable with it. And they can only apply what they know. And so, again, you know, it's, you know, for something to be effective, they're going to have to work on that themselves before they can actually apply that to the students. So this is where the social in, in, in aspect comes into play is really, really understanding yourself in a real life situation and how you deal and how you work with others. What motivates them? What empowers them? And these are very, very important. And I'm sure when we get back from the break uh, here in, a, in about a, uh, less than a couple minutes here, we're going to, I guess you're going to give us an example of what you do when it comes to applying this uh, with your students. But uh, any other points that you want to talk about real briefly for about a minute here when it comes to where we are now? Yeah, it's, I want to say how it's, how much on both sides, I think that the relationship between the, the student and each other and also the students with me changes a lot that you actually start the leadership doesn't happen at the end of it. You know, in, in traditional education, they say once you pass a test, that shows you know it. But you start becoming a leader from the very beginning. As soon as you start doing each of these exercises, you start practicing it. And the students, when they work with each other, and people who do the book, when they, some people have, they buy the book and they do it with a friend and they both practice the exercises with each other. And that's very beneficial. And you start seeing it happen right away. When I, start, when I work with coaching clients, I'm sure that you've seen this as well. Is that oh, absolutely. And, with, well, we, so Josh, we, we just have about 10 with, seconds left. We're getting a break. break, but we, we can expand upon this when we get back. Uh, again, you're listening to the Sustainable Success Radio Show. My name is Chris Salem, and I'm with Joshua Spodek, and we'll be right back. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. 
You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back. This is Chris Salem. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Sustainable Success Radio Show. And we're discussing today... What is wrong with leadership training as it applies to sustainable success? And we're talking to a leadership expert, Joshua Spodak. But I just wanted to remind everybody, if uh, you would did not catch the first two legs of the segment, we will have this on demand. And you can find this at the voiceamerica.com website under Influencer Channel for Sustainable Success or at our Facebook page, Sustainable Success. Joshua, we had left off we, we, where we were talking about why this hasn't been done before, and you had some closing remarks on that, and I wanted to just finish on that before we get into the next question. So go ahead where we had left off why this hasn't been done before. You had a couple closing comments on that. Well, I, you know, I was just talking about how different the, the learning environment is and how much more friendly and challenging it is in, in different ways. It, students can expect that if they do these exercises, they're going to feel different emotions than they normally do. And it's going to, it's not a matter of like lifting a heavier weight. It's a matter of, you know, sometimes you'll feel like uncomfortable, but extra comfortable on the other side of it. So, you know, they should expect to feel some anxiety. That's anxiety that if you face it doing these exercises, you'll feel more confident when you do it in regular life. And that's one of the big things people walk away from this is that they feel like, oh, leadership is really different than I thought. It's really much more personal and much more connecting with people. And, you know, you, you remember you asked earlier about authenticity and genuineness. And that comes from, I, I, there's an example that came to mind. You know, the, the, the NBA Finals wasn't that too long ago. And when you watch someone like, say, LeBron James do art, you know, unbelievable stuff on the court. I, I'm amazed by it. I think we all are. And one of the things that I, I've, you know, he never practices the most crazy moves that he, that he does. He's never practiced that exact thing before. What he's practiced is the basics. And he practices the basics more than anyone, or as much as anyone. You know, I actually found on YouTube, there's a video of LeBron James just doing jump shots for an hour. 
It's not exciting. It's not thrilling. There's no like headline of like, here's this one quick trick that does whatever. It's really practicing the basics. And if you practice them enough, then you get that freedom and authenticity to do what you want. That even though you never practiced exactly that thing, that's what the fundamentals are. And that's what I tried to give in this book are exercises that are the equivalent of jump shots and layouts and free throws. It's practice, practice the basics. And then when you're in this situation where you have to do something crazy, you know what to do because you don't have to think about it. You've done the basics so much that they're natural to you. Well, yeah, that makes sense. And how about some other examples? Can you provide some example exer- other example exercises that you conduct that, you know, kind of correlate to, uh, you know, real life situations, you know, that could be, you know, that yeah, could, you yeah, people experience? I'm glad you asked because, you know, I can talk about these things all the time, but it's really like, what is the exercise? And so one exercise that is the beginning of unit four, unit four is leading others. And the exercise is how to make a meaningful connection. And it's useful if you're going to go into a network, networking situation, if you're going to talk to a client, if you're going into an interview, whether you're the one being interviewed or you're interviewing another. And I give you a script. And a lot of people think, wait, a script? Is that me talking then or is it the script? But one of the things I've learned from acting is that, you know, give 10 actors the same script, you're going to get 10 completely different performances. And that difference is coming from you. And so the exercise, it's, it's designed, it's starting, first you ask the person, What's something that they love to do? What's a passion of theirs? What's a hobby? Something that they really love to do? And the person will give an answer, and the first answer they give is almost always an indication of what they like, but they're still kind of protective because they don't know. It makes them vulnerable to share something that's a passion of theirs. And the next part is the really key part, is the script says, to, and you have to think on your feet because you have to respond to what they say, but say I ask do you mind if I do it with you for a second? Sure, yeah, Absolutely. So if I ask you, what's, what's something you love to do? What's a passion of yours besides work and family? Well, I love to read, you know, being outside in my yard, you know, doing activities in the yard. Those would be two things that I enjoy doing and working out would be another one. I love, uh, you know, taking care of my mind, body and soul. So working out is a big, big, big part of my life. All right. So I'll take one of them. In the, working in yeah. the yard. Because my stepfather is really into yard work and the housework and he, he's, for him, it's about building. It's about creating something, a home where you live in. And I have another friend who, he's got the suburban home. And for him, it's different. For him, it's about how things look and how he looks compared to his neighbors because he wants to be part of a community. And so it, for him, it's more community. What was it for you? Is it one of those or something different? For me, it, it's, it's, again, it, it's something that it defines who I am. I, you know, I'm not a perfectionist, but I like having my yard look very nice. And it's like, I look at it as like a, a project that, you know, I'm, I'm taking something that is like from scratch and then molding it into something that looks good. You know, not in a way that it's perfect, but it but it but it it looks good. And it really kind of defines who I am and how I approach things and how with any project I work on or anything I'm involved with, I, I apply those same type of principles. And it's also in a way a form of of meditation in a way. I get I get peace and joy from it. You know, I feel relaxed, even though I'm exerting myself in some way physically. Wow, so this is something that a lot of people might look at from the outside and say, it's just yard work. But for you, it's, it's a definite, it defines, does it define you to you? Does it define you to others? Does it define you 
Uh, does it help create who you are, or does it demonstrate you well, to others? What do you mean by that? Well, I think with, with others that, you know, they're going to be people, like you said, that would look at that and say, yeah, it's just yard work. Who cares? They don't care about how their yard looks. It's not a priority to them. However, if we have guests over and they appreciate, wow, you know, the yard looks great. The plants look great. The trees are, are groomed. There are going to be people that appreciate that. So you're going to influence, you're going to attract those types of people that share those same qualities, or maybe they're not exactly the same qualities, but they appreciate the effort that you put into something like that. And they want to align with you maybe in some other ways, whether if it's, whether it's just be on a friendship level or, you know, you're working with them. So I guess it's a way that depends on, you know, you're going to appeal to certain people and some people you're not. So now this is, this is what happens with this exercise. I have to pause our conversation. I really want to keep following up on it. And sure. I apologize that, I, that I'm going to go back into talking about, about the exercise. Yeah. Because uh, would you say, do you feel like this was a meaningful connection about, I mean, I stopped in the middle. But do you feel like you're really talking genuinely, authentically about yourself there? I would say yes. I mean, it, it is a part of me. Because if it wasn't, I really wouldn't, you know, I would either have somebody doing it for me or I just wouldn't care, you know, if the yard looked like whatever. I mean, it's just something that is who I am. I mean, it's something perhaps how I was raised. You know, I grew up with uh, a mother that also appreciated that. So I saw that in my mother. So I probably have some of those qualities. And while my father would also be out there working in the yard. So he was very, he had a good worth ethic. So I kind of, it's kind of like how what you know what I was raised in, and and kind of what I saw, and kind of applied to who I was, tr- truly who I was, which you know defines an authentic leader. So I'm reading a depth in the conversation that we're having about you and your gardening and or your yard work that is beyond what most people would get in also oh, leader for a living. Where are you from? How many brothers and sisters do you have? Which I don't find particularly. If you're lucky, that might create a meaningful connection. But this way always creates a meaningful connection. Did it feel like I was practicing a script with you? No, not really. I mean, you were just basically asking me. You were asking me truly, you know, like what what, what was my view on yard work? How do I feel? Does this really define who you are? And, yeah, and you know, those are all legitimate questions. You know, I think we should all be asking people to determine where there's alignment, where there there is an alignment, and matching strengths with strengths. I mean, I guess, you know, you could expand upon that more and let me know. But yeah, that's that's how I took it. Yeah, and it took me years to refine and refine to get a script that would really work, that was both educational and useful. So that the way I I think that we could keep talking about the yard work, and I think you want to keep sharing more with me, and for people listening. If that's the case, if you, I, mean, I think you, you want to keep talking about it, and I want to keep listening, actually. When you go into an interview, what do you want more than for the person interviewing you to want to talk to you more, to want you back? It's a great outcome to, you know, networking. When you meet someone, you want them. I mean, maybe there's something you don't care about, but you still want them to want to take a call in the future. And Meaningful Connection does that. So the first step is to ask them what they care about. And in the book, it, it says step by step what to say. And the next one is to say, after you say your thing that you like, then you say, and I'm not going to say it exactly, but basically you say, 
oh, I know someone who likes it for this reason, and I know someone who likes it for that reason. What's your reason? And by doing that, I, what I'm saying is I'm talking about some people in my life, but what I'm communicating is the thing that you like, people in my life, I support them for that thing, and therefore, if you share it with me, I will, you can expect that I'll support you too. And these person feel less vulnerable and show support. And that's a very important skill. So there's all these skills that you're picking up in practice and exercise beyond just how to make a meaningful connection, how to listen, how to pay attention to the nonverbal communication, because the next step after that is to pick up on the words. In your case, you repeated several words. And so I, I used your language back to you. Like you probably noticed I used the word define a couple times, because you used the word define a couple times. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is uh, great. And what I with this example, I guess we could talk about this for a while. I, I mean, we're off the summer. I wish we had more time to chat about this. But what I want to do, Josh, was I want to be able to have the people find out more about this and where they can find it. Obviously, getting a copy of your book, Leadership Step by Step. Where can they obtain that book? Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, both? Yeah, the book is on all the usual places, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. If they happen to be in New York City, there are signed copies of the Barnes & Noble in Union Square because I happen to live near there. So Great. those are special ones. Beautiful. So what I'd like to let the uh, listeners know is a little bit more you know, about what you're working on right now and, you know, and where can they find you next if they want to find out more information. We have here about two and a half minutes left in the show, about two minutes roughly, so I'd like to give this time for you to, you know, let the listeners know where they can find you and, you know, what you're up to next in terms of this this area. Well, people who are interested in the course, it's available at spodekacademy.com. So that's going to be the book plus some extra structure. Plus there'll be a forum so that you can interact with other people who are also going through the course anonymously, but people actually meet each other there. There's my blog, which is at joshuaspodek.com, and that's a regular blog, uh, but also simply just a meaningful connection exercise. I'm going to create a link that people can do this exercise and see me do it with videos. So if they go to spodekacademy.com slash Salem, your name, S-A-L-E-M, then there'll be a, a, a link to... Um, so they can see the meaningful connection exercise, the whole script, uh, plus me doing it with uh, on video. And that page will have all of my social media stuff. So if they go to spodicacademy.com slash Salem, then they can that will give them uh, meaningful connection exercise plus access to all of my social media and all those things. Okay, great. Great. And then uh, real quick, we got about just a less than a minute and I'm going to wrap this up. So I just wanted to let you know, I, I, I'm so thankful for you coming on the show today and giving some great insight on what, you know, where leadership training is and where it's going and where you're taking the lead to really make a difference. And and in terms of, are, are, can, are you going to just be in the New York City area over the next few months or are you, you taking your, your talents uh, anywhere else in the country? Uh, so far, I'm in New York, and I'm doing all my talks in the near future are local. Okay, great. Well, everybody that's listening, again, Joshua Spodek is based in the New York City area. If you happen to be traveling to New York, please uh, make sure you get a copy of his book. A signed copy at, yeah, would be better. And uh, please look up Joshua. He's on LinkedIn, uh, where you can contact him. Also, Twitter. 
I want to thank you listeners today for joining in. You got some great insight on uh, where leadership training is going and why it's important to really apply the social and behavioral aspects of it. And again, we will have a on-demand version of this show today, later today. So please check back with the Voice America Influencer Channel for Sustainable Success. And we want to, Joshua and I would like to wish everyone a great rest of your day. And thank you again for joining. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.